What's up? What's happening? What's going on? Welcome back to Ground Up Faith. You are listening specifically to Ground Up Sermons. This is where I bring to you the sermon that I preached for my congregation, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Mount Holly, North Carolina. I bring that to you in a podcast form. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. And I'm trying to remember to actually introduce myself because some of y'all may not who know who I am. I am Jonathan Schnibben, and I am the pastor here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Mount Holly. This Sunday, um, is the Sunday after Easter, and it's nice to be back after a little break off right after Easter, like a lot of pastors do. Uh, And this Sunday always brings us the same gospel text from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Oftentimes, this is known as the Doubting Thomas text, which I will be getting into uh, in in today's sermon. Um, But in uh, sort of short form, um, this uh, text happens on um, Easter evening, and we find uh, 10 of the 12 disciples. Uh, we're missing Judas at this point, uh, and Thomas is missing, and we don't really know why. But 10 of them are locked behind closed doors out of fear, and Jesus appears and speaks peace to them and shows them the wounds in his hands and his side. Uh, the disciples uh tell Thomas about this after Jesus departs, and um, and Thomas uh, has some doubtful responses. And later on, um, Jesus appears to them once again now with Thomas um, in his presence as well. And that is what we are going to be wrestling with in today's sermon following our intro. invite you to think for just a moment about the words that describe you. They can be any words at all, and really I'm not even going to give you suggestions so that I don't taint what you call to mind for yourself. But for however long you have lived, there have been words that have been descriptive of who you are. Some of them may be words that you ascribe to yourself. Others may be words that parents or grandparents or teachers or other inspirational figures have assigned to you. And still others are words that wider society affix to who you are. So I imagine if you think about it, you can call to mind a whole host of words that are descriptive of who you are. What are those words? Positive, negative, good things or bad things, things that lift you up or things that weigh you down. I suspect that you have a mix of them 
that make up who you are. Words, these descriptors, they matter. They give you a sense of identity, forming and shaping who it is that you are. One of the lessons I learned as I became a parent and started down the journey of raising children that my teacher wife taught me is never to call a child a good child or a bad child. Because if you call a child a bad child, guess what they're going to do? They're going to be bad. They're going to hear that as their identity, and then they are going to live into that identity. So you choose your words carefully. You're making a good choice or a bad choice, or you redirect. Have you thought about doing this instead of that? Words matter so very much. Because, as I said, they give shape and meaning and identity to who it is that we are. I always think about this on this Sunday. This Sunday after Easter is always the same gospel text. I say it, you say it. We all say it if we have been around the church very much. It is Doubting Thomas Sunday. And we say it so very casually. And we gloss over the fact that right there, with one word, we have defined who Thomas is for 2,000 years of church history. Thomas will always be doubting Thomas. Don't you find it interesting that Peter never gets referred to as denying Peter? He managed to do that three times in the Passion story. Yet for whatever reason, that moniker, that descriptor has not stuck with him. He simply gets to be Peter. Or, for that matter, we could take the entire band of apostles gathered here in this house, all ten of them, minus Judas and Thomas, and affix to them the descriptor of fearful, because they are behind locked doors, in hiding, because they are fearful on this Easter Sunday, which is when this is all happening. Fearful James and John and Andrew. And yet that descriptor simply doesn't stay. So there's an opening here for us to wrestle with why we are comfortable writing Thomas off as doubting Thomas. And I think therein, that is the answer. We like the idea of being able to write off 
certain people, or certain groups. Now, we're all sitting in church, and we're going, no, pastor, we don't ever do that. Yeah, we do. We do it all the time. You ever heard uh, the, the, the terms cancel culture? And I'm sure when I throw that term around cancel culture, you can think of any list of things that you really like that you're mad that someone else is trying to cancel out. But you know the really funny thing about cancel culture? It works every which way. Everybody tries to cancel out everybody else. And there are a whole host of, of instances where that happens. I remember uh, some years ago, this was uh, probably about 10 years ago or so, um, uh, Truett Cathy, the, the founder and, and owner of, uh, of, of Chick-fil-A, um, said some things in an interview that made some people mad. We're not going to delve into all the specifics. And so what happened by, with one side of, of the cultural divide in our country? Let's boycott Chick-fil-A. And so a big... Uh, you wouldn't quite say nationwide because Chick-fil-A is not quite a nationwide chain, but a big, you know, uh, boycott was planned and, and what wound up happening the very next day? You had to stand in line for hours to get a chicken sandwich. That's one example. The simple reality is that it happens every other which way. I, I referenced in the Monday Thursday sermon uh, Lil Nas X and his Satan shoes. Well, guess what? People on the other side of the cultural divide got really, really mad about that and went on whatever platform they had and lost their minds about it. And what happened? The shoes sold out in a matter of hours. And the song is the most popular song on Spotify this week. Well, you know, what I'm pointing out to his music isn't really my thing, by the way. But what I'm pointing out is, isn't it ridiculous that whoever we are, we sit there and we define ourselves by who we are against, who we are not like. And we lose our minds over it, and then in, in, in return, we end up selling more shoes or more chicken sandwiches or whatever it is that, that our thing is. Because ever since the beginning of time, we have set ourselves apart from one another. I mean, really, it goes all the way back to Cain and Abel, doesn't it? I farm the ground, I work animals, I'm better than you, all of this sort of thing. And it, we can trace it all the way through history where we continually figure out ways to set ourselves against somebody else. And we would hope that we Christians are, are different, that we forge a different path, but so often what we have done is we have fallen right into line with everybody else. We fight the cultural battles just like everyone else. 
we get ourselves nice and offended and bent out of shape every which way possibly because our sensibilities are bothered by somebody else, just like other people get mad that we offend their sensibilities and so forth and so on. And it all goes back to that simple idea of what words we use to describe other people. You have tremendous power just by the words that you use. If you choose fighting words, no matter how well-intentioned they are and how passionate you are about your cause or how much you believe in it, what does it come off as? Fighting words, negatives, bad. Or you have the power to choose life-giving words doesn't mean that you're agreeing with everything everyone else does. But it means that you are trying to speak life into a deadly situation. And in reality, is that not what Jesus does in this text? The disciples are speaking words of fear frustration, of doubt, of anger, and they're affixing all kinds of other words to one another. You know, it's interesting, we don't really know what was happening behind those closed doors before Jesus shows up. But it's not a far stretch to at least wonder that maybe the disciples were fighting on that first Easter Sunday. Just mere hours before they had seen their rabbi, the one they identified as the Messiah, arrested and beaten, tried, crucified, died and laid in a tomb. And earlier that morning, they had heard this fantastic tale of Jesus rising from the dead. But it would seem that chaos was still ensuing. They were all fearful. And perhaps oftentimes in their fear, they do what we do in our fear, and they turned on one another. We don't know Peter to be the denier, but maybe some of the disciples hurled that phrase at him that night. Maybe it was brought back up that Matthew was a tax collector and he had sold out his people for extra money in his pocket. Perhaps it had been brought up that some of them were fanatics, stoking more fear and anger. Maybe that led to Jesus getting arrested. Maybe Thomas has always harbored doubtful tendencies and those words were hurled at him and while maybe he was on an errand for the disciples that night, maybe he was mad and needed to cool off and had stepped out for a while. We don't know. 
But what we do know is that that room was, was filled with fear and anxiety and doubt on that Easter night. And Jesus stepped in and literally breathed peace into the room said to all of them amidst their fear, peace be with you. Named and claimed each one of them as made in the image and likeness of God. And named and claimed each one of them as children of God. And those are the descriptors, those are the words that Jesus speaks to us. So I want to close with two thoughts for you. Whatever descriptors, whatever words, good or bad, that have been shared with you either by yourself or by family and friends or by the wider society, the words that matter most to you are that you are made in the image and likeness of God and that you are named and claimed as a child of God. And being that that is your identity, I want to invite you to live into that identity. Not to live into the identity of a doubter, or a fearful person, or an angry person, or a hurt person, though if that is true for you, that is a part of your identity. I want to invite you to live into the identity of being a child of God, and speaking, breathing those words of peace and love into every situation in which you find yourself. To everyone you meet, you can speak the word of peace. To everyone that you meet, no matter what they believe, think, or do, you can share with them the truth that no matter who they are, what is true is that they are made in the image and likeness of God just like you are. And you can invite them into the identity of being a child of God. Because what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you, he did for Truett Kathy, and he did for little Noss X, and he did for everyone else. And that is the word of peace that we share alongside Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's sermon. I hope that it was a blessing for you. And uh, as I was uh, sharing uh, at the end of the sermon, I want to invite um, everyone listening to uh, to continue to reflect um, on the ways that we define ourselves and the ways that we define others to recognize that uh, you can't always just classify everyone as being good uh, or bad or successful or a failure, but there's a multitude of ways to uh, describe who it is that we are. And in the midst of that, we uh, are entrusted with great power um, that comes from uh, from Jesus to to speak peace into um, 
all of life's circumstances and into all of the people in which we encounter. Um, so do please uh, seek to speak peace um, and specifically to use words um, that reflect those of Jesus, uh, inviting um, others to see themselves as being created in the image and likeness of God and inviting others to see uh, themselves as children of God. Thanks as always for listening and I hope you have a blessed week.